0: And welcome back to another edition of Talking Ball with the Czar. I'm Emery Hunt, the Czar of the Playbook, bringing you some outstanding coverage throughout the course of this summer. We have some FCS stuff going on. We also have some coaching interviews, and which is why you're here today listening to the Talking with the Ball podcast. We're joined today by Ron Johnson, who's a defensive line and strength and conditioning coach at Red Lion High School in Pennsylvania. Ron, I appreciate you taking time. Thank you for having me. Well, I, I say strength and uh, conditioning coach, D-line coach, uh, but you have a lot of job titles. You're a former NFL player. You played at Shippensburg. You also do a lot of other cool stuff within the community and also professionally. So we'll get into all of that. But first of all, I have to jump into the college football playing career. It's interesting because we were in college at the same time. Um, I was at the University of Louisiana. You were up at Shippensburg. And – you were an outstanding defensive lineman, uh, found your way in the backfield a lot of times, uh, You know, still holds some records up there at Shippensburg. How was your college football playing experience, uh, in your own opinion?
1: I enjoyed playing uh, in the PSAC for Shippensburg uh, University. At the time, we were in the Western Conference. Uh, currently, Shippensburg is now in the East. But uh, I enjoyed four years, being a four-year year starter there. Uh, receiving all-conference honors. Um, enjoyed the West because we played against the IUPs, Slippery Rock, uh, Edinburgh, Cal PA. It was a battle in the West uh, during that time. But every Saturday, it was so competitive that whoever showed up and was ready to play would win. Uh, nothing was guaranteed at that time, but it was very tough conference. And throughout my four years of being there, uh, occasionally you would see some of our guys come out and get uh, free agent opportunities and get into a camp, and at that time really had to produce to, to show uh, that they belong there, but they could play at a higher level as well. So uh, the PSAC had a great reputation, and I really enjoyed playing at that level.
0: And it still does, quite honestly. I do color commentary, and I, I do a lot of PSAC East games. I probably do some uh, West games this upcoming season, but you know, a good friend of mine and, and good friend of the show, uh, Teron Davenport, played at Cheney um and and it's interesting because when you look at the peace act you have all those teams east and west conferences and the, the good part about it is that a lot of people don't know how good the football is up here and i, I say that to say this because coming from new orleans i didn't I, you know I, I was southern biased. i thought you know the best football states were Louisiana. well i'm sorry the best football states were new orleans and then louisiana i want to have to we always made that distinction that new orleans is separate from the rest of the state but i used to think like louisiana texas california florida and georgia then i moved up here i didn't realize number one jersey high school was great and pennsylvania high school was excellent and doing high school games this past season in the mid pin. now i understand why traditionally the bigger schools in, in pennsylvania your, your Pitt and penn state and the the Peace Act were always good. Like every team in the PSAC I feel like could have been in the playoffs. It, how good is the high school football here in in Pennsylvania?
1: It's a very high level of, of football here in PA. Um, you know, everybody takes a look at the Mid as as being uh, one of the top top conferences in the state um, because of the the pr- production. So you have guys who produce every year, who come out and get those big uh, big looks uh, that go to Penn State, Pitt, Temple, some of those schools, even outside of of our state. Uh, You've had a couple guys over the past couple years go to the SEC uh, and and just all over, but it's a really good reputation. Uh, But when you take a look, too, as well as uh, the Philadelphia area down in Philly or out in Pittsburgh uh, with the Whipple, um, this is just a state that is just football. Uh, You have a lot of good conferences. You have a lot of good players. Um, And I'd like to say that, you know, Pennsylvania is is in that run as far as uh, being hopefully at the top as far as one of those states. But you have a lot of good players, too, that trickle down to the PSAC. Uh, Sometimes you get players that, for whatever reason, it didn't work out for them to go to Division I or to go to JUCO, but they end up in the PSAC. Uh, A number of guys that I played with at Ship but also a lot of guys in, in the PSAC as well. Uh, when you take a look at the roster sometimes, especially, you know, my senior year, uh, junior and senior year, some of the teams that we played against, you might have seven, eight, ten transfers from Division I schools, uh, some some big uh, top schools as well. Uh, for whatever reason, they would come to the PSAC uh, and produce at that school. So that's why we like to say that the PSAC is a very tough com- uh, conference, but one of the best. Uh, Division
0: two conferences in, in the nation. It's funny because you can really tell a lot about the the level of high school football talent in a state by looking at how good the programs are from top to bottom, right? So let's say in Louisiana, everyone knows LSU and, and Tulane has some success. But Tulane is a lot like Temple as far as like the academics. Uh, but you look at all the FCS programs from your McNeese State, your Nickel State, uh, Grambling Southern always have been good football programs. I feel like the same thing in Pennsylvania. When you now we just talked about the the one double I'm sorry, the uh, FBS and Division two, but all of the FCS programs in this state are good too. So that speaks volumes to how good even the Division three programs. When you go out west at Carnegie Mellon and and Washington and Jefferson, those programs are stockpiled with with talent. So I agree with you. This this state um, is. Tradition rich with football powers, both at the high school and at the collegiate level. Now, your your college football days, you, you had uh, success, and always, you know, now that you're coaching, and we'll get we'll backtrack a little bit, but now that you're coaching, you know, you, you got those guys that want to get to that next level, want to play college football, but what they don't realize is that a lot of college football is not what they may seem to think it is based off TV, like some of the myths that I thought. First of all, when I got to college, you know, everybody we're we're the same age, so we we all grew up on watching the program, right? And I thought every college game was going to be packed, you know, fans just you know packed to the stadium. Then I get to college, and I'm like, man, nobody's at the games, and and you know, you can kind of hear every comment in the stands, you know, but. Kids always want to know what college is like. You kind of give them the real of what, you know, to expect. What are some of the biggest myths that you thought um, college was like until you got there and realized that it wasn't what it, you thought it was going to be? Um, well, I'd like to start with, you know, when I
1: was in high school, something that I preach to my kids is, is education and their grades. Um I hate to see. Players not have the opportunity to play at the schools that they want to because of lack of uh, effort in the classroom or or, uh, just in the community, not doing the right things. And that's one of the that's how I was. I was that type of player that uh, I felt that I could do anything on this football field at the high school level. I could do anything on the basketball court. And at the same time, I was not really focusing on my academics, Uh, low GPA, low SAT simply from me just not putting the same effort in that I did on the football field or the court or the track. Um, and it was very foolish of me. But taking a look at some of the, the offers that I had and some of the schools that had interest and to see that trickle away slowly uh, once those schools saw my, my, my grades and my academics, um, that was very upsetting. But at that time, um, I couldn't blame anybody but myself. So something that I preached to my kids that I coach, that I work with every year, is I don't want to see wasted talent. I hate to see that. But I want my players, if they do have the opportunity to play in college, I want them to be able to have choices uh, when it comes to senior year, for them to sit down and be able to choose what school they want to go to. Not, well, I only have a handful right now. I have this school or that school. And unfortunately, that's the type of um, the type of player that I was. Uh, I had a lot of God-given talent, but I wasn't doing the right things outside of football, and that's what got me into trouble. So going into school um, to Shippensburg, I looked at it as, as Division II. Uh, didn't really know too much about it. Um, I, I wasn't, that wasn't my number one choice, but when I got there, uh, I knew that I was at least still a little close to home. Uh, my cousin, Tony Johnson, was actually one of our DBs, uh, I went there, so he he made me feel comfortable joining him as a Red Raider. But um, <clears throat> going into school, uh, I just didn't know what to expect at the Division II level. I always had dreams and aspirations of playing in the NFL. Uh, but I, I don't want to say that when I got there as a freshman that I felt, you know, I, I can't make it. It's Division II. Nobody's going to look at me. But I didn't really know how much of an uphill battle it would be. Um, But Coach Spencer up at Penn State, um, I'd like to say that he's a mentor, a good friend of mine. Uh, Coach Spencer is the one that recruited me to play at Shippensburg. Uh, So he took me under his wing, uh, him and Coach Reese, and they said, we're going to get you straight academically. You're going to go to study hall. You're going to get through this ACT 101 summer program, and we're going to turn your life around. Being an 18-year-old young man, uh, that's exactly what I needed. So to this day, I really look up to Coach Spencer. Uh, All the coaches that impacted me and influenced me to turn my life around. So um, I'd like to say that that's where I started to turn things around uh, was at Shippensburg, especially in that summer program. But I'd like to thank Coach Spencer up at Penn State uh, for taking me under his wing and and really just guiding me and being that positive mentor uh, to help me refocus and and learn uh, how to do things as a student, how to do the right things, um, how to focus on on what's gonna help me later on in life. Uh, so it was more than just football, more than just wanting to play in the NFL. It was, this is what you need to do in order to grow, to become a young, respectable
0: adult uh, and and a grown man. And with that type of guidance, that helps you concentrate even more so, um, or just go out there and just play freely on the field, which led to you getting to the NFL, playing for the Philadelphia Eagles. How was that process for you, a, a young kid realizing his dream at the highest level? Uh, I'd like to say that since I was
1: uh, little, the the Eagles were always my favorite team, watching Randall Cunningham, uh, Reggie White, all, all the guys, uh, Waters, everybody. But uh, I had the opportunity of a lifetime to play for my favorite team, and I was very thankful for that. Uh, but it was an uphill battle. So coming out of Shippensburg, I didn't have a lot of agents approaching me. Uh, we didn't have people uh, in our stadium with, four or 5,000 fans sometimes. We didn't have agents standing in in the hallways or coming to talk to us. So uh, it was a little bit of a challenge. But um, when you get that opportunity, you have to thrive. Um, I always knew that I had something special uh, because of how I produced it at at the college level. And that's not to to sound cocky or arrogant. It's just um, when you produce like that and you're making plays, you feel as though I can play at a higher level. Uh, but I knew that I had to work hard and I like to say to my high school kids and kids at my football camp um, everybody wants to be a football player but not everybody wants to put in the work uh, so something I took pride in was going to the gym training hard uh, doing the extra going the extra mile uh, because I, I wanted to to push myself and be better uh, running 110s always finishing first uh, and and being a defensive end being that guy that having a nickname, you know, pretty much just like Javon Curse, they used to call me the freak. Being able to um, produce and just run and, and straight out fly at 270 pounds, 6'5", I took pride in that. And, you know, running the 110s, a lot of my teammates would say, you should be running with the running backs, you should be running with the receivers. And I held myself to that level that, you know what, I need to be finishing first every time because I can't. Uh, because I know I can fly and I know I can run. Um, but I really had to work hard uh, it, it wasn't just given to me. I had to really work hard and, and push myself to get those to those levels and those opportunities. Uh, when I came back to York here, I actually trained with um, a trainer, John Kirsh- Kirshner, uh, and actually John Whitman, uh, who was a former uh, fullback for the Steelers and, and former uh, Penn State player. But those guys, they used to just put me through it every day, and they challenged me. And I just I never gave up. I always pushed myself. Um, right before the draft, you know, I, I had my own private pro day. We didn't have the going to universities coming out of Shippensburg. I wasn't invited to to the Penn State pro days or anything like that. So they actually came down to an indoor facility here in York. Uh, the Eagles did. Uh, Mr. Jim Monas, who is now up in Buffalo with the Bills, uh, his dad was actually the uh, I think the defensive coordinator up at Bloomsburg at the time. But he said, you know, we've, we've had our eye on you the past several years, especially when you guys cross over and play schools in the East. But um, gave me a, a workout. And that day I just gave it everything I had. Um, I did 225, 33 times as far as my bench. Um, I'd like to say, you know, my, my 40 was probably in the high 4.5, low 4.6 range. Um, <clears throat> I just went hard and gave it everything I had. And I knew that my statistics as far as um, my bench, my shuttle, my L drill, everything, I knew that I was ranked within the top 10 uh, defensive ends that were drafted that year. Uh, but I just held hope for months, um, held tight, and, and had interest from a couple teams. But the Eagles showed the most interest uh, from Jim Monas at the time. But um, I. I I was very thankful that I had good people in my corner. I had people that helped me to get to that level. Um, my parents, my family, the support of my coaches, teachers, professors that I had at SHIP, I had a lot of people uh, support me and, and always tell me that I could do it um, and to just never give up and keep pushing myself, to never doubt that, you know, this is Division 2 I'll never make it or I'm from a small town. All that stuff didn't matter. So what I teach my kids is it's all about heart. And you got to believe in yourself and don't listen to people that doubt you and make that positive energy. You know, don't, don't allow people to put you down and tell you that you can't do something. All you have to say to yourself in your head is, watch, watch what I do. Um, and that's kind of the motto and, and how I went about things going into uh, my, my rookie year.
0: And the coaching part of it, it what's, what's interesting is that a lot of players, some players know right away that this is what they want to do. They want to coach once they're done playing, um, whether that's at the college level or the pro level or even at the high school level. But a lot of times it just kind of happens. I remember coming out of college and thinking I wanted to do, uh, you know, work in corporate America right away, but I kind of got started in high school, coaching high school football, and I was like, man, I love coaching. Uh, So when did you know you wanted to coach, and how did you come about – becoming a head coach i'm sorry a coach at a d-line coach right there at uh, red lion high school
1: that goes back to the the summers in college um me and some of my teammates would work some of the the camps uh some of the football camps at the time that were coming to shippensburg university and you know we would do anything from help the coaches out um help out in the dorms help out with the trainers (coughs) do all kinds of things like that but uh You know some of the camps that i worked i would see a lot of kids and and i would see some of the top you know i would say studs like some of the best athletes getting more reps and some of the kids kind of in the middle of the pack or definitely kids on the bottom and i said to myself that you know if i'm a parent and i'm spending the the amount of money that some of the camps cost at that time uh, and how much some of them cost now i said you know i'd be pretty upset if my son came to camp and wasn't getting the reps wasn't getting um, you know, the work and, and foundation that he needs to improve himself. But I saw a lot of that happen. But I said to myself, as soon as I'm done playing football, whether that be college or if I do make it at the pro level, um, I knew that someday I want to have a camp and I'm going to do things different. And it's going to be about reps. It's going to be about teaching. It's going to incorporate life skills and social skills and just the foundation, the importance of education. All those things together is, is kind of what I went through. And I feel that I need to pass that along to, to kids of, of all backgrounds, all ages, uh, to really show them the importance that, you know, if you just don't make it in football, that's fine. Uh, let's be real and practical about statistics and numbers. Uh, it's very hard to make it at that level. So you might not get that opportunity. And if you don't get that opportunity to make it to the next level, what is your backup plan and what are you going to do? Uh, those are some of the things that I talk about with my players and and definitely kids in my camp. But I knew then in college that I wanted to to have a camp to someday be a coach and to pass on what all my coaches uh, from high school and, and college level, all the things that they passed on to me, I felt that I have, you know, a unique story. I have the voice to be able to use to pass that along to kids of of all ages, all backgrounds at all levels. So, um, it's a good feeling to be able to to work with our kids, uh, to see them graduate, to see them go on to college sometimes, whether they're playing ball or not. Um, my job is to to impact, make a positive impact and guide some of
0: our players uh, to help them become successful in life. Do you find that the players nowadays are different? Are they just like how we were in the mid to late 90s? Because I think that's a big debate nowadays when you – uh, see some coaches, you know, tend to lash out, or uh, fans may lash out, uh, or broadcasters, or what have you. But I, I kind of feel like, you know, the things around the student athletes change, but I, I kind of feel the players are essentially the same. Do you? How do you feel about the players nowadays that you're coaching?
1: I feel that players are the same. Um, the game is the same, except for, you know, certain specific things that we really I- install and. And stuff within our kids but as far as the game um you know there there's changes across the board but I feel that the kids are the same and um really there's there's a lot of differences with our facilities some of the facilities that we have I've been very lucky and, and very blessed that Red Lion uh I'd like to say we have the best stadium in the state <laughs> it might sound <laughs> biased but um if you've ever been to Red Lion High School on a Friday night, just the atmosphere, it's like the whole town shuts down and, and our, our stadium goes into a hill and it just goes up very, very, very high. But it's a beautiful stadium. Uh, we have turf, uh, but we we have a great training facility as well. And I've been given the opportunity to work with with our football team, but also uh, other sports teams at Red Lion. But um, so many things have changed as far as facility-wise and turf and our training facilities that I tell our kids to take advantage of that. I tell them to take advantage that. Now, think about the science of training. Uh, when we were in high school, we kind of just went into the weight room and did our own thing. Uh, honestly, we really didn't know what we were doing, but <laughs> now uh, there's there's a thought process that we use behind it. There's always a why. Why are we doing this specific type of training, this specific type of exercise? It's not about just being big and and you know having a lot of muscle and being very strong um if you can't move properly if you don't have speed you don't know how your body moves or works then that doesn't matter you know so we always have a thought and a why as to why are we doing this particular exercise we're not googling or or going on to youtube and looking up tough workouts Um, you can do that all you want but i don't think that's going to get you too far When you're just trying to do something that looks tough or hard or cool, uh, you got to think, you know, how is this going to make us better? How is this going to make this particular kid stronger? And and how are we going to work on this kid, this athlete's weaknesses? So we tell our kids to take advantage of the opportunities to get into the weight room. Um, It helps out with leadership as well. That's where a team comes together. That's where we, where teams form championships, is what they do off the football field, in the school, in the training facility, uh, during their downtime. You know, and, and we bring all of our kids together and we teach them the importance of that. Uh, Friday nights, I'd like to say that there's times our kids work very hard. But on Friday nights, we can see sometimes when some teams are just gassed and just exhausted. We have a high tempo, uh, no huddle offense sometimes that we run. Uh, our defense, we got guys coming in waves uh, as far as D-line, on and off the field. But that shows that our kids have to be physically and mentally prepared to be able to separate themselves but ready to go on Friday nights. And the harder you work, the harder they push themselves and come together in the summertime. Camp is not hard uh, because of how hard they push themselves. Um, the first couple of games it's very hot. Uh, everybody's tired, exhausted. Everybody's cramping. We don't see a lot of our kids getting to that point. Now, everybody gets exhausted during a football game. Everybody gets tired. Uh, But it seems to be that the harder you work in the summertime, you're not just getting stronger, bigger, stronger, faster. Uh, Mentally, that's where you're really preparing yourselves as well is to push through when you're tired, when you don't think you can go. I always ask my kids, how much gas do you have left in the tank? Okay, this is the fourth quarter. It's a tie game. Who's going to make the play to win the game? Okay, now we got to go into overtime. Who's going to finish? And if you have 11 guys who are mentally sharp and tough like that that push themselves together, you can imagine that energy of 11 guys running and flying to the football. That's that's the part of the team that I, I would want to play for.
0: I feel like you you coach and you've played a position where uh, people nowadays that, that tend to talk about the game, it, it, I feel like you guys are in the same boat with the offensive line. Oh, well. Oh uh, yeah, just yeah. He could play right tackle or left tackle. Just move him inside. Yeah, he could play guard too. Like, but no, it's not that easy. And it's you know a lot of technical things that are that are involved with playing on the defensive side of the ball. You see guys say oh, he's a pass rusher, or maybe he could kick inside and be a five tech or four. I feel like people just say these things uh, and not really know what they're saying, um, thinking that is easy. But how unique is? Essentially, every technique across the defensive line, and how you're going about teaching these guys at the high school level, to where you know they're very impressionable. To okay, I, I can digest this, and I can give them more. Something that you know I talk to my players about all
1: the time is if you want to play defensive line for us, you got to be able to run. You got to be able to fly to the ball. If you're a bigger guy, even if you're a tackle and and you're you're a heavier guy, you're 300 pounds, 325, uh, which you know sometimes I'll get some D tackles like that you got to be able to fly to the ball too. Um, <clears throat> if you're a defensive end, you got to be able to fly and get to the quarterback and put pressure uh, on the quarterback. But I expect my DNs to always run to the ball. Uh, don't just rely on, you know, if the play's going away from you, don't just rely on on your teammates making that play. I want you to be able to fly downfield and hawk that guy down and make a play. Um, so I try to instill some of the things that I believed in when I played towards my players and once you talk to them and once you instill that they they get it they understand uh once you sit down with them and go through film uh now we have huddle that's another resource that we didn't have but i i think all of us coaches now we wish we would have had that when we played uh instead of the old vhs and rewind your coach would (laughs) rewind it a million times good or bad but uh you know we we just try to kids that you know, if you're going to play D-line, uh, I want to be able to have my tackles. If if I need somebody to come in for one of my D ends, if I need one of my tackles to go out and play D end, you got to be able to be sharp. You got to be ready. You got to know your plays. Uh, so I try to prepare all my players um, and teach them the techniques that we learned at the college and pro level. Um, and I feel that by doing that, our kids are learning uh, some pretty unique techniques and skills. That we weren't taught uh, coming up, and, and that's not anybody's fault. It's just you play at, at the high to be able to pass that along. So why not pass that along to your kids and give them something else, uh, more tools in their toolbox to use on, on Friday nights? Uh, so we we talk about a lot of those things. Um, I expect my players. I say, if you go, you you make a mistake, you better be going 100 miles an hour. There's no stopping on this field during practice. There's no stopping during the game. So um, we just try to have our kids work hard, do the best that they can, and always ask questions. And I tell my young players, if you don't understand, ask before you get up to the line of scrimmage. So um, it's compete. You know, we had spring ball this week. And uh, at times, you know, you'll say, my ones get out here. I need my ones up. And we had the conversation today that, hey, it's, it's an open battle. No, nobody across the board has anything locked up as far as I'm on the first team, I'm the starter. Uh, I want them to understand that they have to work hard and they have to battle. Uh, I don't care if you're a, a sophomore, junior, or senior. Just because you're a senior does not mean that you're going to start. Uh, just because you are a big kid who is a sophomore uh, and you've been a standout the past couple of years, uh, things can change when you get to the varsity level. So, because you have been successful in the past and you're a big kid, you're very strong. That does not mean that you're automatically going to start either. But we open those, uh, we have open battles, especially during preseason, but also in the spring. This is our first look as to uh, what young guys we have coming up and, and some of the varsity kids and, uh, who have had experience and how much they have improved in one year, how much bigger they've gotten in a year. So um, really just enjoy coaching the kids, working with them, but sharing a lot of the knowledge and skills that we were given uh, at the college and pro level.
0: And that ties <laughs> right to the next point because, you know, it's all about giving back and all about sharing the knowledge that you've learned and, and acquired throughout the course of your playing and coaching career, which led you to starting, like you talked about earlier, Ron's Rising Stars football camp. How did that process come about and, and what are students – and, and young athletes getting once they attend to this camp because not every camp is the same.
1: Uh, we started. <coughs> I'm sorry. Excuse me. We started the camp. Uh, this is our ninth year. So our first year that we had it, I knew that I wanted to have a camp um, in Shippensburg because you know earlier on in this this interview, we spoke about the importance of Shippensburg and how that's kind of where I turned my life around i met coach spencer uh, coach reese our entire staff they helped me grow as a young man so it was a good foundation a good uh place where i started that i figured you know why not go back to where this all started Uh, i used to sit there in the summertime working college camps thinking to myself someday i want to be able to have my own camp so why not return to the place that was special to me and help me grow and and change my life Uh, so that's why i have it in shippensburg every year. It's a good central location, too, so right off of 81 or uh, 83 south, um, 83 north, 81, 30. Uh, it's easy, easily accessible. So how we started was just a day camp every day from 9 to 4 p.m. Uh, we would start at 9 a.m. and we end at 4. Um, focusing on offense in the morning, defense in the afternoons. Uh, we run it just like a college, high school, college, or pro practice, as far as uh, the, the different segments that we have and, and schedule that we use uh, throughout our camp. Uh, we also incorporate a little bit of speed and agility uh, because, you know, that's a passion of mine. And, and some of my background with strength is we want to be able to teach our athletes, no matter what position, how to move properly, to use proper movement mechanics, but also work on their agility and their speed. Uh, so we, we work with kids on that too at camp, but, uh, we enjoy it. We, we started having a pro day, so we'll have, uh, guest speakers. We've had Jordan Hill, um, three or four years at my camp. Deion Barnes, um, well, we, we've had a lot of players, uh, Derek Hart, Jake Metz. We get some of the, the guys that are coming out of some of the big schools like Penn State. We have guys coming out of the PSAC. And I like to have guys who have an important, good story to tell as far as what they went through in life with their academics or football. Um, By being able to share that, that inspires youth. That inspires middle school, high school varsity athletes, people of all ages. So we have a pro day. And we usually do that every Wednesday at our camp. Uh, of each year, but the players will come out and speak for about 15 minutes or so. They'll sign autographs and take pictures and do some drills with the kids. But uh, we, we've we had division two coaches from the PSAC, um, a large variety, but each year we try to get somebody new, somebody who has a good story, but you know we get a lot of thank yous and, and follow ups from parents and coaches just thanking us for being able to bring uh, some of these players in to to meet with the kids and, and talk to them and inspire them so we really enjoy that but uh, We've moved now to Shippensburg University and we have an overnight camp So over the years we've had campers who lived about an hour from Shippensburg hour and a half uh, Be able to drive and commute every day with parents and, and friends, but now uh, we want to add more components so each day we talk about the importance of education. We talk about important life skills, doing the right things on and off the field and in the classroom. So something else that we wanted to incorporate in the vision for the past couple of years is why not have an overnight camp where we have a full day of offense in the morning, defense in the afternoons, our pro style practice setting that we have. Then in the evenings after dinner, this is where we're gonna take it to the classroom and really talk about education. Now we're going to talk about NCAA requirements as far as your GPA and your grades. Uh, We're going to talk about, we're going to bring in, we might bring in an orthopedic specialist to talk about uh, injury prevention. We might bring in trainers. We're going to bring in some of the professional athletes to come and talk to our uh, campers at that time to really inspire them. But we feel that it's more than football. It's education. It's doing the right things on and off the field. And just becoming a leader. So, we want to teach leadership skills as well and team building. So, it's, I'd like to say there's no other camp that really takes time or the focus to be able to do both as far as football instruction, as far as educational and leadership skills in the evening. Um, It's important for me to pass this along uh, because I enjoy it. Because I was that kid that needed just a little more guidance, I needed that mentor, I needed that Coach Spencer, that Coach Reese to really take me under their wing. I can share some of those experiences with campers at my camp and inspire them to do the right things on and off the field in the classroom. But to just work hard and and just do the right things. Um, We enjoy that. All my coaches that I have, I like to get coaches, um, guys coach my camp, current players at Shippensburg. We've had a lot of SHIP players over the years. I try to get about eight to 10 players from the current team at SHIP each summer to really instruct their position, whether it's on offense or defense. Uh, we've had some of the, the Shippensburg University coaches. Uh, Coach Jeff Tomasetti, we've had Coach Morgan. Uh, we've had Coach Mac come out and speak to our campers before a few times. But we have Coach Tony Johnson. Coach Tony Johnson uh, coaches the DBs at SHIP. But we have guys from other schools as well. Uh, guys coming from IUP. Um, we might have East Strasburg, Millersville. We'll have some guys from around the PSAC or other schools come in and really instruct the kids as well. I feel like having that good diversity of coaches from all around, not just the PSAC, but we'll have some Division three, <laughs> Division three players as well um, work with our kids and uh, our, our players throughout the week too. So um, I, I really cannot do this. We could not do this or make it possible without the, the coaches and the parents and the support of the community in shippensburg to, to host uh ron's rising stars in shippensburg every summer
0: now i alluded to alluded to it earlier about you wearing many hats you know we talked about you as player coach uh you run your football camp but you also do something that's even more impressive um being a financial advisor to pro athletes how did, did that come about was that what you went to college for and and decided you know what there's a, a big gap that's needed to be serviced in this in this uh, arena
1: I actually graduated from ship with a degree in speech communications um, which has given me the opportunity to, to travel and, and speak to uh, students and student athletes uh, of all ages different schools colleges universities and I, I like that but um, I'm able to share my story to to inspire uh, people of all ages but I actually Graduated with a degree in speech communications, and throughout the years, you know, I, I wanted to start my football camp, start a business, uh, and do some other opportunities as far as coaching and training. Uh, and coincidentally, I came across um, the SCORE program, which is business mentoring. And at the time, I was thinking about opening up a training facility, and uh, my my SCORE mentor, uh, Lou Lies, um, met with him, and he said, you know you have a very unique story. I'd like to sit down and and I'd like to hear it all, you know, from start to finish of of making it from college to pro ball and after and what you're doing now. So at that time, I knew that he was a financial planner uh, and he had his own company, but he said at the very end, he said, I think that we can do some work together. He said, I've been trying to connect with professional athletes to really guide them on how to make good choices and smart wise decisions with their finances. Um, sharing my story, you could see that coming out of Shippensburg and just coming out at 23 years old, getting to Philly, you go from, you know, I originally made the practice squad. So at that time, I made 74, $75,000 by week four, or week five, going to the active roster, it was a heck of a jump up to $225,000. So when you are 23 years old and you're making that money, but you're not, educating yourself. You're not prepared. Uh, you feel like you can afford anything. You feel like you can eat at any restaurant. You can travel anywhere. Um, but it's not about that. It's not about the money. It's about preserving that because the statistics still are three and a half years for NFL players as far as career lifespan. It's about four and a half for NBA players and five and a half for Major League Baseball players as far as your career span. Can you play longer than that? Sure. But what I like to say to people is, guys that play 10 years, uh, 15 years, that's that's rare. That's that's not. It's, it's more practical, like my situation of being, you know, I got injured unfortunately in my second season. Uh, we all wish that we could play forever. But while you have the time to maximize your income and and make a good substantial amount of money, you need to be able to budget properly and plan for your future. But you also need to start thinking about your 401k and and your contributions as uh, the Players Association and, and your club will match that. Um, when you're 23, 24 years old, you don't want to hear retirement. You feel like you can play forever, you feel like nothing's going to happen to you even though your coaches say you're one play away from everything being over. You never think of that. Uh, so I had actually gone through that and I've seen the the good, the bad, and the ugly of the business of, of professional sports. So. We like to say that each athlete is their own business and they need to to carry themselves out as their own business and take care of their finances to make good choices. Uh, A lot of guys are approached about investments, businesses, business opportunities. And unfortunately, uh, some some guys um, fall into the wrong hands and make bad choices with their money, bad investments. Some guys go out and, and live a little bit outside their means and buy a lot of things that all in the end, if things abruptly stop tomorrow, they might not be able to afford those things in the future. Um, And we we just like to see players become successful and and take care of their families, their kids, everybody. So, uh, those are the things that we like to to meet with our athletes and speak about. Um, What I'd like to also say is, recently we formed a partnership with uh, the Big 33. Uh, The Big 33 is one of the most prestigious um, all-star games in in the nation. Uh, There has never been a Big 33 football game. Uh, There's never been a Super Bowl played without at least somebody who has played in a Big 33 football game in the Classic. Uh, So that speaks volumes of the history of the actual game itself, that every year you have a lot of players coming out in that game, who are going to Division I schools, and then within the next four or five years, they just might be walking across the stage and getting their name called at the NFL Draft. They might get that free agent opportunity or get to a practice squad. Um, so by us developing a, a partnership and, and sponsoring the Big 33, what we decided to do was um, the director, Gary Cathell gave us the opportunity to actually meet with this year's players, uh, their parents, uh, at one of their practices Uh, back in April. So what we did was uh, we did a short presentation for about 15 minutes and we kind of talked about what to expect with the collective bargaining agreement, what to expect as far as the life changes, as far as uh, contracts, uh, making good choices as far as who they pick as far as a financial planner and advisor, picking a good agent, Um, the amounts of money that within what's projected over the next five to 10 years as contracts steadily go up from the league minimum all the way to the max. And just showing those numbers to the parents, uh, we want to educate them early. Because if my parents uh, along the way coming out of Shippensburg, if my parents would have said, I think that you need to sit down with these guys, my parents helped me get to that level and beyond. And I would have listened to them. And at that time, I would have met with someone that they referred me to as far as you know, uh, just taking advice and, and listening to a good company. So speaking to the parents about how to educate themselves and also for their their sons to start educating themselves yeah they're 18 or 19 years old but within the next four or five years uh this is becoming a business for them when they go off to school or whatever conference whatever school they play at they are their own business and over the next couple years nothing is promised but they might just have that opportunity to sign that nfl contract and, and get the opportunity to play at the highest level so it it, it is Good to start at a young age, as far as educating yourself uh, and just becoming familiar, so that you are aware, uh, because you are getting a lot of money and you you are paid over a 17-week span. Uh, you're not getting a salary that's stretched out over a full year. You're getting one seventeenth every week. Uh, what your contract is worth. You also at that time, you know, you make it to the playoffs. You make it to the Pro Bowl. Uh, those are are large, large bonuses. Um, so just trying to help our players to, to understand the business, to take care of their money, make good choices and decisions, uh, to help out the people that they want to, uh, it could be they want to start a business. They want to start a foundation. They want to work with kids. Uh, we help guide our players to make those good choices, uh, so that they can live a good financial, have a good financial future.
0: Ron, is some great stuff, man. I, you know, I, I learned a lot just by listening to you and and how you've gone about your business and help setting yourself up for success and others for success down the line. Where can people find more information about what you have going on uh, the football camp and also how to to reach out to you on let's say social media to get some more advice if they want to choose that route and and, and uh, gain from from your knowledge.
1: Our website for our camp is www.rons. RisingStars.com. Our phone number is 1844, and it's actually RRS Camp, uh, so it's pretty easy to remember. As far as the work that I'm doing with professional athletes, um, we work with NFL players, Major League Baseball, some hockey, uh, PGA, but any professional talent as well. Uh, we work with business owners, we work with families and individuals, so not just professional athletes, but uh, we really like to enjoy helping people make good choices and wise decisions, but our website is www.StagesPlanning.com. Um, other forms to be able to reach me, uh, I, I talked about this earlier, I really need to step up my Twitter. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why I'm on Facebook. Uh, my parents are on Facebook now, so it might be time to really transition from that. <laughs> It's just a funny story. My dad said the other day, he said, uh, you know, I I see that you like uh, PNC Bank. And I said, huh? And he said, he said, yeah, on Facebook, he said, it says that you like uh, PNC Bank. I was like, Dad, I said, that just means that, you know, I like their page. I I don't, you know, personally, (laughs) it's funny because we're talking about my dad, who I never thought would be on social media or Facebook or anything. Uh, You know, my dad's going to be 74 uh, 74 years old, but it's pretty funny. Uh, you know, you gotta laugh at that. He, he's, he's learning, but, uh, you know, I really need to, um, get my Twitter and I know all the kids like Snapchat and all those other things. I need to, to get a jump on that. And I need to, uh, just ask my kids, my son, uh, you know, have him help me out with that. But, um, I really just enjoy helping people. I love, uh, working with young athletes and, and just trying to inspire them to do better in life and do the right things. And what makes me happy is, you know, a few years after some of our kids graduate, um, just, just seeing them go on to do good things and have a good job and a family. Uh, some of the professional athletes that we, we work with, something that I enjoy is just sitting there and letting them do their roadmap as far as where they want to be in five, ten years and helping them along the way. Uh, reach those opportunities, whether it's a business, it's it's a house, uh, it's a vacation, it's being able to afford have their kid uh, go to to a different school, a private school. Uh, we really enjoy just helping people make good choices with their money and their finances. Um, but I really enjoyed this opportunity, and I hope it was uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it too. Um, and anytime I, I can do anything, speak to kids about football, speak to them about life, just education, anything, I I always jump at that opportunity because I feel like I have a unique story that everybody can listen to. Uh, Kids in the audience, I always say that if your story sounds similar to mine in high school where you're best in the classroom, you're not giving it your best effort, now's the time that you can still make a change. I can't make a change. I'm 38 years old. The best thing for me to do is share my experience. And when I speak to kids, when I speak to student athletes, it's not about me. So it's, it's I, I'm proud of what I've done as far as playing professionally. But um, I don't share my story for myself. I share my story so people can learn from it and, and o- overall just become more
0: motivated to, to, to work harder and reach your goals and dreams. And as well put, Ron. And listen, we wish you the best of luck uh, with everything you got going on. And we definitely will be in touch down the line. Thank you very much. I appreciate it.